0: Quite a few years ago, in uh, about 2007-2008, I was researching a book um, about all the things that you find on the beach, the treasure that you find on the beach. It was a book called A Beach, A Book of Treasure, and I had found that this interest in what we find on the beach is really great because uh, it's a portal into our ocean world, what we find on the beach. And as I was researching uh, this book, I also was becoming a docent for one of our great reefs up um, on the north coast near Bellinas called the Duxbury Reef, Uh, and I was uh, being trained to be a docent. And as I was out um, uh, with my teacher, who was a nudibranch expert, uh, I found that everyone that I was with seemed to be interested in the the critters, in the invertebrates, the starfish, the, the other fish, but no one was talking about most of what I was seeing on the reef, which was the marine algae or seaweed. Um, And I happened to hold, take a scrap and hold it up to the sky. And I was completely amazed at this intensity of color and this fabulousness of form. And um, I knew right then and there I had to get this back to my studio, get the seaweed onto my scanner and start experimenting with ways of, um, of showing the world about Seaweed. I've been using my flatbed scanner as a camera for many years and I had been using it up until that point um, to capture um, stones, seashells. I had a couple books out on those topics Um, and uh, I had not actually yet figured out a way to capture the luminous quality of things and that at this point when I became interested in seaweed I started experimenting with using um, what's called the transparency adapter of my flatbed scanner and the transparency adapter is designed to um, scan slides and negatives transparencies and I figured well I could use it to capture transparent objects like seaweed and sea glass in fact. Uh, and so that led me into putting these whole seaweed organisms onto my flatbed scanner in my studio and pushing light through it as the scan is captured. That's what I'm able to do with this, this secondary um, adapter on my scanner. Um, so uh, the wonderful thing about this scanner is that, um, number one, it, it kind of strips away context. It really lets these objects, these specimens, speak for themselves. And number two, the color is very true. Um, For anyone who's tried to photograph out in the wild, there's always the vagaries of what is your light source, what kind of day is it? But the scanner, uh, what I found is that the scans of the specimens were one-to-one in terms of the color and quality of the specimen themselves, and that was very exciting. One of the um, great delights to my research into these particular seaweed species of, of the California coast, was that I encountered um, a whole slew of these wonderful um, pioneering women scientists who have really furthered our understanding of the oceans. And they were names I certainly didn't recognize and I don't think many other people generally recognize. So it was really wonderful to bring their stories to light, to integrate them into the stories of these particular organisms. And they range, those stories range from Lynn Margulis, who is really a spectacularly brilliant woman uh, talking about uh, early evolution. Um, And uh, another great, great story is the story of of a woman named Josephine Tilden, who actually established the very first uh, marine station on the west coast of North America. So there are all these wonderful um, stories that um, I think everyone can relate to uh, how is it that we can get involved into the ocean, into our ocean world, and everyone has to participate. Um, it's not exclusionary, so having these women as, as models for us has really been, been a, a, a delight. One of the great um, parts of storytelling about the seaweeds is that they live in this extraordinary uh, world, the intertidal zone which is so different than our own world. Uh, Their their world gets sucked away every six hours and comes flooding back in, um, and they have to come up with all sorts of strategies for dealing with that. Well, you guys uh, talk about how important the kelp forest is here at the aquarium, and it can never be reiterated too much. Um, So the kelps and seaweeds are, number one, they're, um, they're a carbon sink and an oxygenator. They, they, um, the, the photosynthetic pathways are using up carbon dioxide and off-gassing oxygen. So all those respirators, those critters that need to breathe, um, are benefiting from all that oxygen produced uh, by the kelp forest. Um, carbon sinks, as we know, are really important. So the kelp forests and the eelgrass beds are really important in that regard. Um, as photosynthesizers, they're primary producers. So that means they're the bottom of the food chain. They're the first, the first level of, of, um, of that food chain. So all sorts of smaller creatures are eating the kelp, bigger creatures are eating those creatures, bigger creatures are eating those. It starts the whole uh, fantastic food web that makes uh, the dynamic life in the ocean uh, work. Um, so that's really important. Thirdly, the kelp forests actually are a really important habitat Uh, For all sorts of organisms, so um, all the predators that need to hide from, I mean, all the prey that need to hide from their predators seek refuge in the kelp forest. Um, So it's really important for all sorts of fish populations. Um, Those predators that are looking for prey, the seals and sea otters, go into the kelp forest looking for food. Um, The kelp forest is also a nursery. All sorts of invertebrates have larval stages, and those larval stages need refuge in the kelp forest to grow up to maturity. Um, It goes on and on. It's it's just a fantastic kind of foundational eco-engineer, and uh, we have to um, give them all of our, you know, the attention that, that we can so that they thrive.